This sounds crazy to say on January 26th, but Where It Hurts by Reed Farrell Coleman is one of my favorite books of the year. I'm pretty sure it's going to stay on that list all year long. In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Camven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. Are you ready? Let's get this show rolling. Hey there, welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm. I first came across today's guest, Reed Farrell Coleman, at SleuthFest a few years ago. He was on a panel, probably something to do with hard-boiled crime. I came away from that panel thinking, wow, I've got to read some of that guy's books. So I picked up some of his Mo Prager series, and I, I really enjoyed the books. Now here we are two years later, and things have changed a little bit for Reed. He's just published Where It Hurts, the first book in a new series for Putnam, and he's picked up the Jesse Stone series from the estate of the late Robert Parker. So it's a pleasure for me to chat with him, and as you'll hear, I really enjoy Where It Hurts. So let's get to it. Reed Farrell Coleman, welcome to CrimeFiction.fm. Thank you for having me. Uh, it is a treat for me to have you here. I absolutely loved this book, and it's it's one of those funny things. Like, I feel bad saying this on uh, – we're recording this on January 19th. I feel bad saying this is one of my favorite books of the year, but it would have been one of my favorite books for last year too. But here yeah. it is in January, and I already know this is going to be one of my favorite books of the year. It, it is just a, a really well-executed noir thrillerish mystery police procedural thing and it's uh, kudos to you thank you very much tell us tell us a little bit about the book well uh where it hurts was one of those rare projects of mine that sort of came about as i was creating the uh character there were events happening in suffolk county where i live on long island that lent themselves to the character. Mm -hmm. So there were actually, there was actually a scandal going on here that lent itself to a great vehicle for this character. You know, that happens sometimes, <laughs> and, it, and it just happened here. Well, let's, let's talk about the character for, for a few minutes, the character of Gus, who is going to be the driver for this series. I really had no idea what to expect when I picked it up, but I, I connected with him so quickly. So it, it, it's, a, it's an unusual character, usual in the, in the, uh, along the vein of it's, it's a private eye type character that's got some problems, but he's got some serious problems. Well... I, I've always enjoyed kind of taking the conceits and the tropes of private eye fiction and kind of turning them on their ear. Mm -hmm. um, I did that with Mo Prager, and I, I'm doing it again here with Gus, though in a very different way. I mean, if you look at Gus from the outside and say, yes, he's the typical flawed, retired cop, come P.I., but that, when you know his story, that's exactly not what he is. He's, he is, uh, his problems are the, I think, the deepest, most hurtful problem that any human can have, and that's the loss of a child. Mm -hmm. And so that, 
that is the start, basically, of his story, because who he was before that is somebody who's lost to him. So we actually see Gus becoming who he's going to be, and we hear a lot about who he was. And I think people enjoy taking that journey. Well, I certainly did, and it, it just was – this book was exactly what I was in the mood to read when I sat down to read it over the weekend, and uh, I just – it was almost like I couldn't believe it. I started reading it, and it's like, wow, it was as though you wrote it for the mood I was in at that particular time, and uh, just really a, a well-done book. He is so deep in mourning, even though it's – is it two years after the death of his son? Yes, and I think that adds to it because mm-hmm. I think everybody can understand in the immediate wake of a child's death how you can be lost. But I, I, I purposely distanced him time-wise from it because I think some people don't easily get over uh, loss. And Gus is somebody still struggling with it two years later. And the story gets started with, uh, as you said, he's a, he's a former police officer, and he meets with someone that he'd arrested a, a time or two in the past who comes in and shares his problem with him, and Gus doesn't handle it all that well, and that sort of propels his reason for getting involved in something that he really didn't want to get involved in because he doesn't really want to do anything. Uh, yes, and I think that that is the nature of depression, and grief is that you don't want to do anything. Uh, you know, it's that getting that difficulty getting out of bed every morning. It's the difficulty putting one foot before the other. Um, and I just think it's the nature of you, humans to force themselves to live even when they don't feel like it. And the guy who comes to visit him is an ex-con named Tommy Del Camino whose own son has been murdered and the Suffolk County Police Department doesn't seem terribly interested in solving the murder. And he comes to Gus and, you know, asks for Gus's help because Gus was the only cop who ever treated him with any respect. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, Tommy, even though he, he plays a very small on-screen role here, it plays a pivotal role uh, in that, it, like, like you said, his, it, it tells us who Gus was back in the day, and he's different uh, from some of the other police officers that he's working with while trying to work his way through the maze of, of the case that he's uh, working. Yeah, well, I don't believe in minor characters. I, I don't believe there is such a thing, at least not in my writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, I don't judge the importance of a character based on screen time. Because, as you say, if Tommy Del Camino didn't come to Gus that morning at the Paragon Hotel to ask for Gus's help, Gus's future would have been utterly different. So although screen time-wise he's a minor character... Uh, Tommy Del Camino actually is the enzyme or the spark that changes Gus's life. Mm-hmm. There's another interesting spark. You use the term spark. Uh, Gus's relationship with his former wife uh, is is very interesting 
in the story. They both went through the same tragedy together, and they're dealing with it in different ways. Very different ways. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that as a parent, and, and by the way, this is not autobiographical. My two grown children are, at least as far as I know today, fine. So it's not an experience that I went through. Um, so the, you know, the listeners don't have to worry about that. Um, but I think people handle grief differently. And I think people handle everything differently. And Gus is still trapped in that. Uh, I think he kind of describes it as being in the deepest, darkest well and with slippery sides that he can't crawl out of. Mm -hmm. But his wife is dealing with it very differently in that she deals with it angrily. Mm -hmm. She has so much fury about the death. I mean, Gus has some of that too, but his wife just acts out all over the place. Um, she, I not to give anything too much away, but as part of her desire to blow up the world, to blow up her, her own life after her son's death, she sleeps with a, one of Gus's police friends. And that is also a spark in the plot. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, I, I think the idea of dealing with grief and strong emotion is why I write crime fiction. Routine is wonderful. We all love routine and our everyday lives. And the, the calmer our daily lives are, the better it is for all of us. But who wants to read about that? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier the Mo Prager series that you've been writing for a while. Uh, the ninth book, I think, came out in 2014. So what was it like for you to, to write this character from the ground up? As, as you said, the character sort of drove everything, and then the, the story sort of came out of something that was actually happening in, in your neck of the woods. So is it was it fun to tear yourself away from writing existing characters and to create something from the ground up? Absolutely. I, I'm a I, I'm a person who's always loved challenges. Mm -hmm. And uh, my editor and publisher at Putnam said, we'd love to give you your own series. Pitch us some ideas. So ideas are great. But I'm a big believer in that when people close a book after they've read it, what they remember or who they remember is the protagonist mm -hmm. and not the plot. I mean, plot is very important. Story is, of course, very important. But it's, it's character that people remember. So uh, the idea of building a new character is very exciting to me. Now, um, you went through sort of the opposite thing when you took over the, uh, the Jesse Stone series from the estate of, of Robert Parker. And that was something – I don't want to say anything bad about anyone else's work, but I was thrilled uh, when you took over the Jesse Stone series, and I felt like you just brought it back to life. But that had to bring its own particular challenges. I'll tell you, every everything I write comes with its own challenge. <laughs> but, but it, you know, taking over such a successful franchise from you know a grandmaster of the mystery writers of America and one of the most popular writers 
in the last half of the 20th century mm-hmm. is, is quite a challenge. And one of the things I did was try not to think of it that way. Because one of the things that writers do that, that causes themselves to get stuck is they worry about the end product too much. I looked at it as I was given a job to write a book, you know, and so instead of having my own characters, I had to absorb somebody else's characters and just write the best book I could write. So over the course of the last two years, you've written uh, the Jesse Stone character, you've written Mo Prager, and you've written Gus Murphy. And I've also written another character. And what's that? What's that? Uh, for a Canadian publisher called Orca, Orca Books, in, they're, they're located in the north, um, northwestern part of Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I write the books called uh, the Gulliver Dowd series, and they're, they're novellas, basically. They uh, have to do with a private eye, but it's a little person private eye. Um, he's devilishly handsome, but very short and feels very bitter about his fate in life. And so I've written four of those as well. <laughs> so, so you've been busy and you, you go at it from a lot of, a lot of different directions and you've had a great deal of success just in terms of awards. You've, you've won multiple Seamus awards. You've been nominated multiple times for the Edgar awards. Uh, you're, you're a recognized expert in the field, and it's an absolute delight to have the opportunity to chat with you. We've been chatting with Reed Farrell Coleman. The book is Where It Hurts, and it's available everywhere fine books are sold uh, beginning today, the day the show goes live on January 26th. Reed, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me online in spite of me trying to hide <laughs> at readcoleman.com or on Facebook, on Twitter. I'm, I'm everywhere. Uh, you, can, you can even find me on grocery store shelves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could link to the place where we could find you on grocery store shelves. That would be fun, but I will link to the other places. Reed, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks a lot, Stephen. In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Canven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. What a fantastic book. I really enjoyed the character of Gus Murphy. <laughs> I, I think Reed has another hit on his hands with this one. How are you making out with the weather where you're at? If you're in the Northeast, uh, you're probably shoveling your way out from under several feet of snow. Down here in Florida, this morning it was 45 degrees, which is hopefully going to be our coldest morning of the year. But by noon, it was 72 degrees. So we're getting back to normal down here. After it warmed up, I went for a walk, and as I normally do, I listen to podcasts when I'm walking. I was listening to a business podcast, and for some strange reason, uh, the host decided to have a guest who was a novelist on the show. It had nothing to do with business at all. It was just a friend of his who writes mystery books. So I spent 
15 minutes listening to this interview about a series of books featuring a female detective in London in the 1930s, and she lives on Baker Street. Who couldn't be intrigued by that? So I have reached out to her and will be interviewing her as well here in a few weeks because she has a new book, the third book in her series, coming out in March. So I'm looking forward to that. Hey, a week or so ago, I sent out an email to the Crime Fix crimefiction.fm list asking if anyone on the list was an author and willing to do a video interview. A couple people raised their hands and we're going to have the first video interview in the history of crimefiction.fm in two days on Thursday, uh, January 28th. So be sure and check back to uh, see how all that worked out. Uh, what else? I, I think that's it for the week. If you got any questions, comments, book recommendations, or you have any recipes for hot chocolate, email me, steve at camvenmedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs>